0: Well, good evening, guys, and uh, welcome online. Uh, Glad that we're all here and that you guys have taken the time to tune in at home. And uh, my name is Dave, one of the pastors here at Mosaic, so glad to be here again. It's been a few weeks since I've been here, and we are back in Ephesians today today. So, if you have missed any of this, so if you're newer to uh, this campus here of Mosaic, or if maybe you've had uh, a little bit of time away and you're like, "Okay, tell me more about this Ephesians." If you've missed anything, we've got you covered. All right, it's go online. This is mosaic.org. Uh, also, the the WW, uh, mosaic campus uh, uh, Facebook page. I believe there's all kinds of info there. But anything you want to know about Ephesians is there so uh, we would encourage you like basically what I'm doing tonight just kind of getting the conversation going and so we would love for you to continue that conversation uh, in your d groups we would love for you guys to gather together there it goes all right I'm still live so we don't have lights but that's all right I'll keep going uh back the Holy Spirit is alive and well uh, so uh, so we uh, we would love for you guys to continue that conversation so you would go from here maybe gather with some of the friends or, or maybe just kind of uh, tag along with somebody else and continue talking about what we're learning here and uh, you know just every chance you get that you would just kind of take what you're learning and basically just get a PhD in all things Ephesians so that's what we would love uh, for that to happen and so uh, as we continue this conversation that we're in here in uh, Ephesians, one of the things that I I believe begins to take root is what Paul launched out in chapter 4, verse 13, when he says that that this is kind of the the focal point here. This is what he is after. This is what God is leading us to, towards mature manhood, to to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, that that's the big E on the eye chart there. He's saying this is what well, the, the, the target is, that's the bullseye, that you would become mature in the way that you think, uh, the things that matter most to your heart, uh, that, that everything about you would begin to resemble Jesus in every way. That's what he's, he's going for here. And, and so when we get there, right, when, we, when we're when we moving forward towards maturity, when we're moving to this place where we resemble Jesus more and more, then uh, that happens individually. So it happens in you guys and you guys, you guys over here, you guys at home, in me, happens in us individually. But in verse 13, he also has the word in there that says all. So it's not just each one of us, but it's us together as well. There's a corporate element to this maturity that goes down as well. And and so as we begin to grow in maturity, as we begin to resemble Christ, here's what begins to happen. For, For three chapters, Paul has unloaded all kinds of theological reality. He's unloaded all kinds of doctrinal truth. And so then in chapter four, he switches gears and he says, now that you know all of this, here's how to use it. Here's how to apply it to everyday life. And so here in chapter four, as we're growing in maturity, as we're resembling Christ, and what begins to happen is we are unified around the gospel. We we begin to to uh, be so committed to the glory of God that we are now unified around the gospel. And and then as we continued on uh, last week, when everything was canceled, but that you probably watched online. Uh, but but uh, we continued on and we talked about how in that in those verses there that. Uh, when when, you, uh, when you're when you following the, the leading of the spirit that you are taught by pastors and teachers and evangelists the gospel so that you wouldn't be blown to and from, from, from one ideology to another, from one philosophy to another, from one belief to another. It's not here a truth, there a truth, everywhere, a truth, truth kind of thing, right? Where you grab that truth, grab that truth, kind of mash it all together and come up with some kind of truth here, but that it's actually taking scriptural truth rightly applying it to our lives so that the roots of our faith begin to take take hold and the gospel begins to change us from the inside out and then what happens is we become committed to for our story to be made uh to be making much of christ that's what it becomes about. It's all about him and what he has uh, to, to uh, tell the world. So we want to give God every bit of glory that he rightly deserves. So if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. If you're using a smart device, we're going to be in the ESV version of the Bible. Now as we're, um, as we're going there and, and as we're exploring what maturity looks like, There's another critical piece that we need to unpack tonight that will help us in this journey of growing as a disciple. And I want to share some information that will help frame the rest of our time today, okay? I'll begin to make sense here in just a second. So the average American, did a little bit of research here, the average American will speak about 16,000 words a day. Okay, 16,000 words come pouring out of our mouths, right? That's pretty crazy. So when you look at the average American lifespan, which is somewhere in the vicinity of about 70 some odd years, so you take that 16,000 words a day and you look at it over the 70 some odd years, sometime in our lifetime, if we're just the average American, we are going to spout off somewhere in the vicinity of 420 million words that come pouring out of our mouths, and, and we know from the, the day and age that we live in, though, that that's not the only way we communicate, right? There, there are all kinds of avenues of communication now that aren't just the verbal communication. We live in a digital age. There's texting. Uh, there, there's emails. There's social media. There's all kinds of avenues where we launch out uh, communication. So I did a little bit of more research. 275 billion emails are sent every single day. All right, so globally, that's what's going on, 275 billion. Facebook, so we look at social media. Every 60 seconds, uh, they did, uh, I forget what site I found this on, 317,000 status updates Every minute, 400 new users every minute, 147,000 photos uploaded of all kinds of barbecue and, and great things about uh, you know, different places we're seeing and going. 54,000 shared links shared every 60. Seconds. Then you have Instagram, you've got Twitter, you've got TikTok. There are so many different avenues going on where communication is happening, right? There is all kinds of information pouring out of our lives. And we clearly see the magnitude of the importance of what God-honoring principles look like when it comes to the things that we say, what we communicate, both in person and online in digital format. Right so if the goal then is that we would mature in every way and we would resemble Jesus in every area of our life then that process begins to take root in us when spiritual gifted leaders come into our midst pastors teachers evangelists they share the gospel we hear the gospel we believe and then and as God is drawing us to himself the roots begin to then take Uh, take down deep, and it's like a seed that's planted in fertile soil. So those roots begin to develop, we begin to grow, and then fruit begins to establish itself so that we don't just believe every uh, human argument that comes out, not every belief system is, is one that we believe in, we're able to tell right from wrong, we're able to honor God in those spaces, we're not jumping around from one opinion or belief to the next, And instead of becoming a victim of the sin-saturated world that we are in, then what happens is God begins to show us a different path. And that path shows up in verse 15. So it's, it's as we begin to grow, it's not that we're tossed to and fro from all these different beliefs, but there's a word that shows up in verse 15 called rather. In other words, there's a new path now. So this is where we're going now. There's a new way. And and this is one of those words that's a transition word that moves us to a whole new level where God is wooing us into a whole new level of relationship. It's one of those situations where, you know, when you're walking with God and you're like, I don't know if I could imagine anyone or anything greater than what I'm experiencing of God now. Have you ever had one of those moments? You're like, man, God has just blown my mind. But then you think you're at the pinnacle of your relationship with, with Jesus and then he shows you more. And, and I don't know who said it, but I heard this phrase many, many years ago that we will never plumb the depths of Jesus. Never. Not even in eternity. Like day happens, you're like, wow, this day couldn't get any better. Next day, it just got better. The next day, that was good, but this is even better. For eternity, day after day, after year after year, after eon, after forever, you will never plumb the depths of Jesus there is always something more to be enamored with when it comes to him. And so this is next level uh, a next level word. We're not going to be tossed around by false doctrine. We're not going to be tricked by clever arguments. We're not going to be wooed into false teaching. But instead, now we are to this. So here it is in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So now, what what has happened here is now we know the truth, and now we get the opportunity to actually speak that truth. We get to speak it in a loving way because that displays the gospel well. That's what followers of Christ do. As we are maturing, as we are becoming more like Christ, we begin to do to speak truth in a loving way because that's exactly how Christ has dealt with us. That's how he has been with us. He has shown mercy and grace and humility and he said, "I want you to know the truth." And he doesn't pound us with the truth. Now he makes it clear. He doesn't make it cloudy. We don't have to wonder. He's very clear and very precise with the truth, but he offers it to us in a way where it is so loving that it's just irresistible, and we're like, I want that, and I want more of that, and then we follow, and so here we are in this space where the, the, the words that we use, and we speak truth, and we do it in a loving way, then that begins to change things, and I hope that we see the gravity And feel the weight of what we just read there that Paul wrote down by leadership of the Holy Spirit, saying, Write this down. I want my people, both in the church in Ephesus and for the thousands of years that will follow, where they will read this letter, I want them to know that this is important. And this is gonna sound super simplistic, but I I gotta say it anyway because when it comes to our words, guys, our words matter. They matter a lot. And the way that we communicate those words, whether it's verbally or in written form, that matters a lot. They really, really matter. And, and that means whether we're having a conversation in the lobby, that matters how we, how we communicate with our friends, it matters how we communicate with our boss, who we may not like, right? We're like, I don't, that guy or that, that lady, they don't have a clue what's going on. But you know, like, but but somehow, how we communicate with them, we're like, okay, I got to step back from here, and I got to, I got to be careful here. So those kinds of things matter. What we communicate on social media. Right. Not that that's a problem with anybody. Right. It's just a hypothetical here. Right. I mean, what, what would we need to do that for? I mean, we're just in the middle of a pandemic. It's an election year. There's all kinds of crazy popping up every single week. So why would we need to say anything? So it's purely hypothetical. I get that. Like I'm just saying, just in case there's somebody in here who needs to hear that. All right. But but here's the deal. Right. Like how we communicate, whether it's in email or verbally or on social media or or uh, what we say in, in conversations when it gets heated, how, what we communicate and how we communicate that. And this is a big deal. Remember the big E on the eye chart, verse 13, that we would grow up in maturity And that we would resemble Christ in every single way. Now, if you're like me, you hear that, and all of a sudden you hear the the phrase, like, I've got to stack myself up to Jesus. That that should cause us to pause just a little bit and go, oh, no. You know, like, this isn't going to go well for me. Because here's what we like to do as humans, right? We like to step back and go, how about I go against you? You know, or let me stack up to somebody over here. Because if I stack myself up to somebody else, then I've kind of got a fighting chance every so often, right? So I can kind of feel better about it. I was like, well, I'm doing better than so-and-so, right? But that's not the goal here. That's not even an option for us. We do not get to stack up against anyone, anytime. We are stacking up against the, the, the one. And in, in his name is Jesus. That's who is our model. And so if you're like me, you hear that, and you're like, okay, well, then I'm out. Like what have I I don't have a chance here there's no way how am I ever going to stack up against Jesus why even train to get in the race there's no way I can win that one I'm not even going to make the podium he's going to get first second and third I don't even get to be on it he's already won I I do not stack up well to Jesus So if that's what you feel like, and I've been there, and there are plenty of days where I'm like, ah, this is overwhelming. There's no way that I'm ever going to mature into every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Like, that is, it's such a foreign thing to me. But there's something that that pops up in these verses two times that I think is essential for us to dig into. In verse 15, it says this. uh, It says that we are to grow we are to grow up in every way. And then in verse 16, it says that, that uh, Jesus makes the body grow. That word grow is an operative word here because we don't become like Jesus overnight. It's like we step into a faith relationship with him, and it's not like, whammo, Jesus Jr. is now here. Like, we don't get to go that route. That does not happen. We do not transform overnight. It is something that happens incrementally, and it is a stage-by-stage-by-stage by stage by stage development. The problem is, is we look at that, kind of, we look at the change in our life, like, on a day-by-day basis. Anybody been there? You kind of look at what's going on day-by-day, day, and it's like, why am I not changing? Why is this still here? Why am I still being plagued by this? And, and so we, we walk through that, and it doesn't feel like we're changing day-by-day, But when you go back, if you've been walking with Jesus for a year or you've been walking with him for five years or maybe 10 years or longer. You look at the trajectory of your life and you see these changes because he's constantly leading us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly drawing us into depth with Jesus to resemble him in every way so that the Father gets the glory he rightfully deserved and then the the Father sends the Spirit to bring about greater growth who then causes us to look to Jesus because we need to resemble him so that we glorify the, uh, the Father and that goes on and on and on and on and on. And over time, we begin to grow. But have you ever noticed, though, you know, after five, 10, 15, maybe 20 years of walking with Him, there's still some stuff that you're still bogged down in? You're like, why? How am I still dealing with that? Because you're growing. And God in his grace and mercy is continually putting that before you saying, there's more. I want you to walk in greater depth with me because there's maturity still to be had. There's still depth that I want to introduce you to. See, as we learn the gospel, as we're transformed by the gospel and the truth of Jesus and who he is and all he has done, we see that it rescues us. And it redeems our future and restores our purpose. And as we see that begin to play itself out and it begins to take root in our lives and we begin to mature and resemble Christ in every way. Then what happens is our lives increasingly look like Jesus. We start to think like Jesus does. Our heart begins to beat for the things that matter most to him because that's what he is producing in us. And so it's like we begin to live and act and think and respond and, and, and step out in faith as if Jesus were in the very space that we are in. Because that's what it looks like to walk with him. right? We can, and and, and here's, the, here's the good news in that. It's not up to you. To walk out of here today, well, if I'm supposed to be mature, if I'm supposed to resemble Jesus in every way, you at home, you don't have to go, well, how am I going to figure this one out? Like, I I need to get this right, because that's what we like to do in the Western world. Like, we're like, I can do this. I'm going to put some goals and objectives down, and I'm going to mature. I'm going to become more like Christ. That's what's going to happen starting tomorrow. I'm going to make this the the focus of my life. That's awesome. Goals and objectives are great. It's good to have a plan, but I promise you this, you cannot pull it off on your own. You can't do it. If you can, please write a book. I'll buy it and be the first one. I'd love for you to sign it and say, man, I figured it out. We can't do it. We can't do it, but we don't have to figure it out on our own. The Spirit of God comes in and he leads us. We are called in Galatians 5 to keep in step with the Spirit. As He leads us, we are to walk with Him in such a way that He begins to transform us. It's it's both an outside-in and an inside-out work that the Spirit does. He shows us the beauty of the gospel from the outside-in, and then the gospel from the inside-out begins to lead us in a life of worship. It's a a profound mystery of how the Spirit does that, but He moves us towards maturity, and we can fully expect that the Spirit's going to do that because in verse 15, it tells us that we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, and that's exactly where He's going to lead us. And if that's happening... Right? If we are moving in that direction, here's what's going to happen. There are markers that begin to pop up in our life that we can see, okay, there is maturity happening. I am beginning to resemble Jesus more and more because he will lead us to do this. He will lead us to, to speak truth. says that in verse 15, that we will speak truth. So we need to unpack what that means. And then we will do it in a way that is loving. So we need to unpack what that looks like as well. So what does speaking truth mean? So uh, I did a pile of research on this one, okay? I read a ton of stuff. I listened to a whole pile of information. We talked about it as pastors and, and a team and, and our communication team, and I was taking notes and pulling all, si- all kinds of info there. Uh, just, just all of this research pouring in, and here's the best that I've got As I take all of that info that I listened to and processed through. Here's the best. When it comes to speaking truth, here's what I distilled it down to. You ready? This will just be a working definition for us so that we can just begin to wrap our arms around it again just starting the conversation and so i would love for you guys to continue talking about this but speaking truth here's what i distilled it down to it's taking biblical principles that are revealed right here biblical principles taking biblical principles and sharing them so that it impacts actual choices Sharing biblical principles with other people, sharing them in such a way that it impacts their actual choices. It impacts their behavior that leads them to honor God. And that's important there because notice that I'm not sharing my opinion. It's not for me to stand there and win a fight. right? Like I'm going to show them that their worldview is completely messed up. I cannot believe they wrote that on Facebook. I must correct them. You know, so do it publicly, or, or uh, uh, I need to make this right. They need to know this. Now, I'm not saying that we can't disagree either. Don't hear me say that, because a lot of times when it's like, well, I'm supposed to speak the truth in love, I guess we're just, I'm just going to let that one slide. Uh, it, it, I'm going to let that go between them and God. I'm not going to say anything, okay? That's, I'm not saying that we can't disagree, but how we do that is very important. So what we say... It it needs to be for their benefit. That I genuinely have to look at them and I have to think in in terms of is this going to help them honor God in their life? That's how that's speaking truth. This is about them moving forward in their maturity, this is about them moving forward in in a way that they will begin to resemble Christ. Right? One of the best descriptions that I found here that uh, my mind just kind of went to here was in 2 Timothy chapter three. In 2 Timothy chapter three, we read this. It says, all scripture, so everything in this book, all scripture is breathed out by God. So he's not making himself hard to find. He's not like, well, I don't understand. No, it's right here. He's making himself plain. He's like, here's what I want you to know. So all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's the heart behind it. I want them to be equipped so that they can carry out whatever God has for them in their journey of becoming a disciple. I want them to excel so that they move forward in a God honoring way. That's what speaking the truth is. It's, it's there to help people, to bless people, to serve people, to, to point them in the direction of Jesus. And so if we share truth, that's, uh, it, that's an, uh, a marker that we're advancing in maturity, that we're resembling Christ more and more. Uh, but in order for us to experience maximum growth in that space, both in us individually, us corporately, and for the benefit of others, it must be done in a loving way. And that's, that, that's kind of the asterisk there. It's like, okay, speak truth, yes, important, but it has to be done in a loving way. And I've, as I've journeyed with Jesus all these years, I've found that that's a very fine art, right? Like that's a, that's a balancing act that you got to wade through. And it's like, okay, how am I going to share this truth because it might be difficult for them to hear, but, but I want them to know what God has for their life because this will actually help them to honor him in every way. So this sets them on a new path and how can I do that in a way where they actually receive it? That again, that seed is, is, is planted in fertile soil where it grows up and fruit begins to be established there so, they, so that it's, it's received well. How do I do that? When it comes to sharing biblical principles that will speak into somebody's life and actually change the trajectory of their life. Like, how does that happen? Well, I found that when it comes to us uh, here in, uh, you know, us church people, Us church people, here's what I think most of us lean into, right? We come into this space where we like to share just a little bit of truth, and we like to, you know, not rock the boat, right? You know what I mean? I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to cause them to be upset with me. So I'll just kind of bring up a little something, kind of tip my toe in the water here, and I'll just kind of step away, and I'll do that in a super gracious, super loving way, but I don't want to get too controversial, that's where most of us are, right? But then there are some of us in the rooms, maybe some of us on the stage, who tend to say, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, I I want to do this as graciously as I can, but here's the facts. It's most important that they know the truth. Because the truth is the most loving thing that they could know. Like they have to know this. And so maybe we don't offer it up in quite as uh, compassionate a way. It doesn't feel like we have a whole lot of concern for the people. We don't enter in to that, uh, that, that uh, experience. And maybe we're not as gent- gentle as Jesus has been with us. Okay, so I've experienced that from time to time. And here's what I think would be a wise exercise to do before this day ends. So you've got, you know, a handful of hours left that you can do this. But here's what I would would throw out as an opportunity for us to to consider and to lean into God and to ask him, where would you have me to grow in this one? By simply asking him, would you reveal to me which side I err on? Am I on the more gracious side? And, you know, I, I don't want to get in too deep, just a little bit of truth. And I'm going to, you know, like really pour on the love and the mercy and the humility. I'll just deal with a little bit of truth. And, and I, I, I don't want to cause too much trouble there because I don't want to cause that person too much pain because that, that might uh, cause them to not want it. And we think that we're shielding them from pain when in reality we're not helping them mature. Or are you on this side over here where you're like, no, I just need to say some stuff. They need to hear the truth and, and you kind of pound people with truth and they don't feel so loved and so they may not receive the word quite as readily and as a result, their maturity isn't, uh, doesn't progress as well either. See, we need to learn to be consistent, and here's, the, here's where we got to go to, and here's why I think it's not going, okay, God, help me to be more patient, or God, help me to be more loving, or help me to be whatever it is you fill in the blank, but simply saying, I want to be more like Jesus. He epitomized grace and truth. He lived it out perfectly. He is the model we're after, so we don't need uh, more patience more love more mercy more humility we need more jesus and jesus will transform our hearts and minds and out of that relationship following him he produces that fruit in us and that's where we see some change and so i would just encourage us man learn to be consistent in that and begin to ask what does it look like for me to to follow more faithfully uh, what you're calling me to do jesus because i want more of you and out of walking with you that you will transform my heart and mind so that I can participate in what you're up to. Because here he is, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. They get the letter and they gather together and they start consuming this amazing truth. They've been hearing doctrine for chapter after chapter after verse after verse. And then here we are in the practical stuff. And he begins unpacking that. And here we are a couple thousand years later. We've heard the gospel because people who are faithful with the truth have come along using the gifts that God has given them to bring forth truth. And so here we are uh, being transformed by that. Now we believe the gospel and we're being equipped so that we can participate in what God is doing as he draws men, women, and children to himself. So we go away from here. We are equipped to now go out and be, uh, be on mission for him. And and we do that together in community. And as we mature, we seek the benefit of others. We're constantly looking to bless and encourage and serve others well by speaking the truth and doing that gently, doing that humbly, doing that carefully here so that they can live lives that are God-honoring. And when I'm living out that reality, when you're living out that reality, when you guys at home, when you are living that out, we are doing that individually and we're doing it collectively As the church, the people of God, then something amazing happens. Going back to verse 16. So as we begin to speak the truth in love, as we are growing up in all ways into Christ, look at what begins to happen. It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. So he's the head. He's holding it all together. He's moving everything forward according to his plan. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So you're doing your thing. You're doing your thing. We're all doing our thing individually and it's a collective effort moving forward together when each Part is working properly and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, guys, when the people of God get hold of this, man, the church marches out into a world that is starved for love. I don't know what it's like in your neighborhood, in your place of work. I don't know what it's like in your family. But what I have seen over my years is when we go outside the walls of the church, the world is looking for something different than what there is experiencing. And there's not a lot of love out there. There's a lot of people scraping and scratching and kicking and screaming and trying to climb up over other people to get what they want. All kinds of people that want things from us, but it's not for our benefit. Man, there's just all kinds of, of craziness going on out there where it's about getting what you want. And, and so the world is looking for something different. And when they see it in us. They're like, whoa, what is that? I have never seen this. And there's something intriguing about the gospel taking root in our lives so that we're speaking to each other in a way that leads each other to God-honoring ways. And then they see that because we're being transformed from the inside out. And we go out from there and we begin loving and serving and blessing other people, calling them into spaces where life is found. And we are sharing and displaying the gospel well. And what we're doing, ever so subtly is showing that the way of Jesus is better than anyone or anything out there. He, he, is, he is not just an option. He is the answer. He is all we have and all we need. That is what we have in Christ. And so when we grow in this, we grow in every way. We mature and resemble Jesus. And what an incredible, an incredible privilege and calling, right? Right? I mean, think about that, that here we are. We get to put Jesus on display in this generation right here, right now in 2020. Not someday when we get all of these things in order, but that we are called into participating into the work of God right now. So right here, from the time you leave here, the time you go to bed, you wake up and go back to work, you interact with people in your neighborhood, where you shop, the restaurants you go to, the neighbors you interact with, your family, all of that is an opportunity to really and make much of him and bring him the glory that he deserves. And I can't think of anything better that I could do with my life than that. Can you? Can you? Man, no, there is nothing better. And here's what, let me close with this. The church in Ephesus, I think it took root. I think it took root, but there's something else that we need to explore as we close down in Revelation chapter two. Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus. And look at what he says. These are letters that are read. So these are straight from the mouth of our Savior Jesus. In verse 2, he says this. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance... And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So remember in chapter four, it's like, you will not be tossed around. You know, like you, you will actually be rooted in the gospel. You will be able to tell when somebody comes up with some kind of, uh, you know, crazy idea or false theology, you'll be able to call it out. Right here it says, you, you're doing that, you did it. Verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. And you have not grown weary. They they were growing in maturity. They were starting to resemble Christ more and more. But verse 4, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You see, these verses that we hit tonight in chapter 4 of Ephesians, it started in love, speak the truth in love, and then it ended that, we are to, that, that God is building us up in love, that the church is advancing in that space. And if we go out of here and we're like, okay, it's up to me, it's, it's, this is my responsibility, and we, and we take our eyes off of Jesus then love is gonna take a side street here. It will fall to the wayside and we will begin to take on our vision and our plans and execute our agenda. Not helpful. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when he is the one that we are after, it's by Jesus, it's for Jesus, through Jesus, everything is about him. It's all coming from him and we want to lift him high, make much of him. When that becomes the, the, the anthem of our life, then I think we are in a space where now we will be marked by maturity. We will be in a space where we resemble Christ and we will speak the truth in love and he will build us up into all things that resemble him and he will call us into spaces and he will build us up in love and we will be a space that will be something to be reckoned with because the world will see that and they will want to know more and we get to step into that space And make much of Christ. What an amazing opportunity. But it's something that we need the help of the Spirit to pull that off, right? So, how about we spend just a minute just praying and asking God to make that so in us? Let's pray. Spirit of God. All of this is going to happen because you will bring conviction into our lives. And we don't want to stop at conviction because conviction is not what we're after. Obedience is what you lead us in. To to keep in step with you so that we resemble Christ in the way that we think, in the way that we live, that that would begin to flow out of us and would impact people in God-honoring ways. God, that you would help us. To speak the truth in love, and that that would be done in a way that, that we would see lasting change both in us and the people that we get a chance to bump up against. And we are so thankful that you have saw fit to introduce us to this amazing truth, to let the gospel take root in our lives, that you have revealed that to us and now it has a chance to take root in our lives and we get to step into serving you, making much of your name so that this generation and generation after generation after generation would know that you have come to rescue, redeem, and restore our lives and that we are are your uh, people sent out on mission. For some reason, you chose us to participate. You don't need us, but you invite us in. And now we get to play a part in what you're doing right here, right now. So I pray that you would do something in us, break our self-sufficiency, uh, to help us to look away from ourselves, but to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we would march out of here in surrender, in humility, in a desire that is just a deep, deep hunger to know and walk with Jesus and to make him known. And so that is our plea tonight. Spirit, would you work in us to resemble Jesus? And then as we resemble you, Jesus, would we make much of the Father? And then Father, as that begins to take uh, hold in our lives and other people in our spheres of influence, then will you cause us to come back to a greater dependence on the Spirit and a greater depth with Jesus to make even more of your name, God. And we will count that a privilege and in honor to serve you every day of our lives. Make it so here at Mosaic WDW and beyond. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.